It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law. Featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk, a partner and attorney at the law firm of Malkin Baker. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Messiah with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to MalkBaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call at 312-726-1243. Are you concerned about America, the moral state of America, and particularly our churches, the moral state of the body of Messiah? Today we'll be speaking with Dr. Erwin Lutzer, pastor emeritus of the Moody Church, where he served as senior pastor for 36 years. His most recent book, The Church in Babylon, Heeding the Call to Be a Light in the Darkness, explores how to stay faithful in a pagan culture and how we can prepare for the dark and difficult days ahead. Dr. Lutzer, welcome to our show. So glad to be with you today, and thank you so much for your continuing ministry in helping the body of Christ. Well, it's it's a blessing. We serve in we serve in many ways, and and uh, getting the message out uh, can be tough sometimes because this is a hard word. You're comparing the future and the present of the American church to the exile in Babylon of of the Jews. Uh, why do you make that comparison? Well, you know, when you look at the Old Testament, it's difficult to find a direct parallel for the church because they were under a theocracy. But one of the best examples for us is indeed when the Jews were taken to Babylon and they had to live as a minority in the midst of a majority pagan culture. There were about 10,000 Jews, apparently, that went. Of course, many died along the way. It's a very sad story. But here's the interesting thing, John. Even though they were there because of disobedience, I mean, after all, they had lost their land, they had lost their temple, they had lost their uh, area there and their king, God nevertheless says, I sent you to Babylon. Now think of the great lesson there for the church today. Even though we might be under some discipline of God because of our unfaithfulness, the fact is we still have to see ourselves as being sent into this world. And, you know, we are sent into the world. Jesus said, in the world, but not of it. We are supposed to be like a ship that is in the ocean. But when the ocean gets into the ship, the ship is in trouble. And one of the things I try to do in my book is to show that... uh, The evangelical church, in some sense, is taking on water, and we need to know that um, we have a mission to be light in this world, to stand against the darkness, and like Jeremiah, we're not even called to be successful, but we are called to be faithful. So I wrote the book to answer the question, what does faithfulness look like in a nation that has lost its way? Yes, and, and and there's still many Americans, American Christians particularly, who think of ourselves as, quote-unquote, the chosen people and that we're bulletproof. That's kind of how the Jews uh, felt um, 
back before the Babylonian captivity because they were special to, in God's eyes. They were therefore privileged not to uh, ever be in a minority status or, or be persecuted. And uh, now it looks like persecution is coming upon us. You know, I heard recently a speaker say that um, God won't judge America because there are still so many Christians, etc. And I get that. There are, I'm sure, millions of born-again Christians, or at least those who claim to be. But one of my concerns, John, is simply this, that unto whom much is given, much is required. And so I can understand where there could be a judgment against our country, because in, in history, probably, no country has been given as much light as the United States. Just think of the fact that we can go into any bookstore and buy a Bible. Uh, there's Christian radio, obviously. There are so many opportunities. And so what we must do is not think of ourselves so special that we as a nation might not be judged. And you know, John, because you're into law, and uh, thank you so much for reading my book, by the way, you know that there's a chapter entitled, When the State Becomes God. And uh, that's what I appreciate so much about you folks, is that you understand that in a culture like ours, the state begins to intrude even on our consciences. And so what we have to do is to recognize where we are and not pretend that this is the America of 30 years ago or 40 years ago. Uh, you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk, partner of the law firm of Malk & Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear other Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit MalkBaker.com forward slash radio. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Well, Dr. Lutzer, in your book, you use Daniel as a wonderful example of how a man concerned with following the law, that is God's law, uh, was able to successfully uh, finesse or live uh, despite the risks uh, serving Nebuchadnezzar and other Babylonian uh, rulers. Is that an example for us? And are we going to have that same, uh, same challenge? Yeah, and we do. In fact, um, I think you're actually quoting or re referencing the chapter that I wrote entitled Conflicts of Conscience, where just imagine this, okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel became advisors to a king who was so evil that his armies threw Jewish babies against the rocks when they came to Jerusalem. And God still said, even though he is that evil, I want you to be advisors to the king. And they were taken through Babylonian culture and so forth and groomed for the position, but yet they maintained their faith. And uh, they drew a, a line in the sand and they said, there are some things we can do with our culture and there are some things we cannot. And they knew where that line was. And I challenge people to find that line in their own individual lives and say, I can do this, but I can't do that. For example, a teacher in the Chicago school system said to me, he was told it's not enough to simply put up with same-sex marriage. If you don't embrace it, you could lose your job. 
Well, that for him is a line in the sand. But let me say quickly that eventually Daniel drew the line in the sand. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did the same. And and, um, Daniel got thrown into a lion's den because he refused to pray uh, in his house. And uh, he prayed toward Jerusalem. He prayed to God. And so he paid the ultimate price. Now, he was delivered from the lions. But you think of the thousands of Christians who have died who were not delivered from lions in the history of the church. They were eaten, they were torn asunder, and they were faithful to the end. Yeah, I'm thinking even even today as we read about those uh, Egyptian Coptics who were uh, held in cages by uh, the Muslims, and and they said, we're going to drown you and put these cages underwater unless you uh, convert to Islam, and I think some 35 out of 36 refused uh, to convert and, and uh, went, I presume, joyously to their, to their deaths, uh, confessing the Lord. One of the great myths that Americans believe, of evangelical um, Americans, is this. If we bring up our kids right, if they are homeschooled and if we live in this country they should not have to suffer any persecution. And that used to be the case, but today things are different. You have a situation in which we are asked to bow before our God, the God of tolerance, and if you say that you are pro-life, you are told that you hate women. If you're opposed to same-sex marriage, you are a bigot. If you believe in strong borders, then you're a racist. So what it's come down to is the fact that We can't even have good discussions about this without name-calling, and uh, that's the culture in which we find ourselves. And the real question is, are we going to maintain our faithfulness and our integrity in the midst of a culture that um, that is just trying to have these cultural streams where everybody is on board? Yes, and and are we willing to pay the price of rejection uh, to lose a job? Uh, we're not we're not facing death threats at the moment, but uh, it, it's hard to say as fast as the culture is changing. And we have we have the internet imposing on us. Uh, you have a, a full chapter on that, and you describe the internet as a monster, even though there are uh, wonderful things that we have from the internet. So coming up, we're going to talk more about immigration, the Internet. Uh, we, may, we may be talking about Islam and Muslims and how we relate to those. And really, what do we need to do to bring a stronger sense of the Holy Spirit back into our lives and into our churches so that uh, we can do the work and be the light that God wants us to be in the midst of this darkness? I'm John Malk, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm a partner of the law firm of Malk and Baker in Chicago. We're Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Messiah with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to MalkBaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Or call 312-726-1243.
Deacon Baker is nationally known for representing churches and religious institutions and is providing you with a free resource to help your church stay protected under the law. This church legal checklist is designed to help your church identify and assess general risks under Illinois law and is revised yearly to keep your church up to date. Go to malkbaker.com slash church legal to download your free copy of this easy to fill out 21 section resource that your church can review at monthly board meetings. I'm John Mauk, an attorney at Mauk & Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals in their legal needs. If you missed the first part of the show and want to listen online, go to maukbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Erwin Lutzer, pastor emeritus of the Moody Church, about his book titled The Church in Babylon, Heeding the Call to Be a Light in the Darkness. Uh, Dr. Lutzer, in, in your book, you, you say we must see our own failures more clearly than the failures of the world. And then you quote Pastor Tim Keller saying, we, that is uh, referring to Christians, lost our position as part of God's judgment on our pride, our hypocrisy, our love of power, our prejudice, our bigotry, and failure to hold on to the truth. This is the way in which God gets people's attention. That's pretty hard word. Uh, do we need that harder word? Well, you know, I think we do, John, but it also has to be held in context. I don't believe that all the problems in America can be laid at the door of the church. I think that there are certain streams in history. Sometimes the church has had a greater influence in culture, sometimes less. But the reason I put that quote in there is because it is true that much of what is happening in America is, uh, is because we have been derelict. Let me talk about pastors for just a moment. Many will not instruct their congregations regarding some of the big issues of our culture, whether it's same-sex marriage, transgenderism, whether or not it has to do with a legal intrusion, into our consciences that certain laws want to be brought about. And, and they do that because they don't want to have any stumbling blocks to the gospel. But the problem is that in doing that, we are not instructing our congregations correctly. And I believe that the role of the pastor is to speak about these issues and do it with a sense of compassion and brokenness so that there are not unnecessary roadblocks to the gospel, but nevertheless, that our congregations be aware of what is happening in their world, and they need to be able to respond to that. So I think the church has failed there. You've read my book. You've read the chapter on Laodicea, that the church that thought it was rich and in need of nothing, and Jesus gives an entirely different evaluation and says, you do not know that you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So I think the church has an exalted uh, understanding of what is happening, and Jesus might evaluate us very differently. So yes, we need the rebuke, but we also need the encouragement that we are called to faithfulness, and God is with us in the process. Well, one of the things... I, I felt that was very helpful in the rebuke part of the message 
uh, was that you weren't just calling for repentance, but you gave some specifics and things that people ought to do rather than just have this general call for repentance, which can be uh, fall on deaf ears or, or, or be very difficult to understand. Well, what am I exactly supposed to do? I repent. Uh, I repented last week. But uh, you get into some specifics. Could you talk about those? Yeah, you know, and um, I'm not sure if I, I remember the was, entire... There were seven, on, starting on page 261. You start out with, we have too much noise and not enough quietness. Does that mean we should turn the radio off? <laughs> well, you know, I actually, what I'm thinking of is, uh, yes, indeed, there is too much noise. By that I mean, we don't have enough time to contemplate God there's too much television, there's too much internet. You know, we ended the last segment by talking about the internet, and I want to just say this, that there's a mother who said to me, and I quote it, she said, I didn't realize that when I gave my daughter her cell phone, I might as well have given her her first shot of heroin. What we are doing is we're raising a culture of children, perhaps not realizing that technology is almost instantly addictive, Consequently, we have so much, uh, even emails and, um, you know, Facebook and all these things, which are consuming a lot of time and distracting us. And it's, it's intentionally addictive. Uh, intentionally, the, yeah. The, the people who had programmed this stuff want you to come back to the video game, uh, to the news channel. Uh, they play the music. They, they get you hepped up. They want to hook you on whatever their message is. And we don't realize our addiction until we're deep into it sometimes. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauck, partner of the law firm of Mauck & Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear other Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit mauckbaker.com forward slash radio. Today we're speaking with Dr. Erwin Lutzer, pastor emeritus of the Moody Church, about his book titled The Church in Babylon, Heeding the Call to Be a Light in the Darkness. John, would it be okay if we spent the rest of the time talking about immigration? Well, sure, because uh, immigration is, is huge. In my chapter on immigration, I make a very important distinction. I think that evangelicals sometimes say very foolish things. I heard one pastor say, in effect, the gospel is for everybody, so our borders should be open to welcome everyone. And I point out that biblically, there's a strong distinction between the role of the state and the role of the church. And if we keep those, we have to keep them separate. If we, um, if we confuse them, we're going to be saying such foolish things. The bottom line is this that the symbol of the state in the New Testament is the sword. The symbol of the church is the cross. It's the responsibility of the church to welcome everyone, uh, to minister to all cultures, and to recognize that God has brought people here from various nations. We don't even have to go overseas anymore. We just need to go to our next-door neighbors and show them the love of Christ. But it's the responsibility of the state to keep their citizens safe and to understand that uh, uh, you don't have a country without borders. And there's no evidence in the Bible 
that a country does not have the right to determine who comes to its borders and comes within its borders. So I believe very strongly in strong borders. And also, I begin the chapter by talking about Islam, because they have a theory of immigration, both in the Quran and in the Hadith, and their theory of immigration is basically a form of jihad, where you immigrate to a country to spread the faith, and when there's enough of you to continue to expand your influence, and in this way, the faith of Islam is, um, is spread. Yeah, let, let me interrupt for a second, because I, I think that's a true observation if we look at Islamic countries around the world. The argument is also often made that uh, American Muslims are going to be different, but almost every Muslim country where you have a strong majority, there becomes an imposition of Sharia law on everybody, and the the Jews are the first to be kicked out, and then uh, then the Christians are... Uh, soon persecuted after that. So it seems to be endemic to Islam rather than just the trait of the radical Muslims. Well, not only that, but even though most uh, Muslims in America would be more secularized, the fact is they're not the ones that set the agenda. The ones that set the agenda are the more radical ones. And the time will come when the radical ones will raise the banner of Islam, and everybody else, all the other, the more neutral, secularized one, will feel an obligation to follow. Muslims feel fear very much apostasy. And if you are told that you're apostate, if you don't get on board, it's amazing how even neutral, secularized Muslims can be motivated to support the the more radical Muslim agenda. So if America doesn't wake up to this and understand what's happening, it will be to our peril. But I don't have a lot of faith in uh, our media and in our culture generally. I, I, have, a, I have a great uh, offer of hope to those who are concerned about immigration and particularly the, the Muslim influence. Uh, Nabil Qureshi, uh, the late Nabil where she, uh, a doctor, wrote a wonderful biography, uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Uh, his personal testimony, coming from a very uh, devout Muslim uh, home, and then uh, searching, praying, and uh, really being open to the truth. And, and he details how believers came and shared and helped him challenge his faith and ask questions and ultimately had had a wonderful uh, discovery of who Jesus is and that's part of why we have Muslims here is so that we can share the faith with them. Dr. Lucy, thank you for speaking with us today. Where can people find your book and other resources? Well, they can go to moodymedia.org. That's easy to remember, all one word of course moodymedia.org. They can uh, see the books there that are available. They can click on to sermons, moodymedia.org. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malk and Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. 
Visit our website to subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter with legal updates, or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Thanks for listening. I'm John Malk, partner at Malk & Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Thank you.